0: This is that is effing weird, and it is Media Month once again, and we have a great episode, and we've got something that might uh, you know interest you quite a bit. We have our favorite books that we are going to cover. And we have a, bleh, bleh, that can't talk right now. We have a wide range. She <laughs> it's already starting off good. We have a wide range of uh, books to cover. Um, I'm really interested. We all kind of were talking a little bit before this um, about what we picked. Um, I think if you've been listening to the show, uh, I think you can kind of gather what everyone might have picked. Um, but before we do that, I mean, based on the host's you'll know who picked what. So I'm your host, Alex. I'm Ro. And I'm Tristan. And with that out of the way, we're going to get right into it. And I picked one of my favorite books dealing with aliens. And uh, <laughs> big surprise there. And just like really, I think, interesting and credible Um topics. And the book is called Alien Agenda by Jim Mars. Uh, The publishers, and the reason why I'm saying the publishers is because I may quote some stuff within the book. Uh, This is just for copyright issues. The publishers are uh, HarperCollins Publishers. uh, Book copyright 1997, again, by Jim Mars. So real quick, again, the reason why I like this book is because I feel like this book breaks it down to where it also it it leaves it up to you as the reader to make the judgment call as far as whether aliens or extraterrestrial life does exist. So they bring in some uh, a lot of history, um a lot of stuff from like the military, uh news, journalists, like everything like everything that you can probably think of jim mars does a really good job of putting it in this book uh some things that i'd like to highlight as far as things that are actually in the book um i have it right here in my hands so there's 12 chapters um ancient astronauts military observers the road to recovery uh ufos underground let's see here missing time Going in Circles, which is about crop circles. And then um, it talks about some of the facts. So, again, the book breaks it down really well into what you think as the reader. is not what you think, but it leaves it up to you as the reader um, what to gather from it. Before I get actually into the book, uh, have, have either one of you heard of this book? Or have you heard of Jim Mars?
1: No, not at all. No. Is it Real? more of like he...
2: No, not at all.
0: No. Yeah.
1: Does he like break it down like um, just more like he gives you the evidence kind of thing, not tri- not super like opinion-based, just very much like here's a collection of all the stuff, think what you want type of deal?
0: Yes. Yes. And that's, again, that's really why I like it a lot is because that is how he presents everything. In every single, every single chapter, it's it breaks it down in that way where it's like this person saw this ufo or you know met an alien or something weird like that but then he also talks about things where people you know might have seen like a shooting star around the same time frame or there was a meteor shower or you know it's i'm just giving an example that's not specifically in the book but again he gives two points of views in every single chapter and possibly an explanation to both. So he does that really fantastically. Um, I, I don't know if fantastically is a word, um, but <laughs> he does a fantastic job. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so I'm gonna go over just some some parts within the uh, the book itself. So one of the things that I wanted to highlight were moonlights and monuments. Um, so several thousand sightings of gastric clouds, colored mists, and bright lights um, on the lunar surface have been reported for many of thousands of years. And uh, in 1968, it was NASA who published the um, chronolo- the chronological, ca- oh my gosh, chronological catalog of reported lunar events. And it starts from 1540 going all the way to 1967. So that's, that's kind of like the first part. 40? 1540. If you want, oh. I can read one of the, let's see here. It's one of the, um, so again, this is what, um, it doesn't say who it's from, but it says a star was seen within the body of a crescent moon directly between the points of her horns. And that was dated on March 5th, 1587. It doesn't say who um, said that or where it came from. But if you go one step down in an- another paragraph, it says a small white cloud was seen on the moon on November 12th, 1961 by French astronomer. Astro- astronomer. Um, I'm not even trying to pronounce the name because I can't even t- I- Quit making fun of me, all right? (laughs) I'm trying really hard (laughs) to sound smart (laughs) with a smart book. I I could have picked (laughs) Pinocchio or Curious George. I like those books, too. (laughs) I didn't have to pick something smart. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways. (laughs) Sorry, I didn't mean to get mad at you guys. I I know you guys. (laughs) Um, But um uh who was the director of the Paris observatory so again um first chapter talks about different things going on with the moon um another um part in that chapter and we had discussed this before during ancient structures is i talked about the moon and he talks about in yeah again the first chapter is how i i don't remember i should have looked it up before this but Uh, It's an it's either an indigenous tribe or Native Americans talk about the moon never being in the sky, and then just one day it appears. So again, you can kind of chalk that up to maybe that, like, based on like the lunar what is it called lunar cycles? I think it is.
1: Yeah, like the new moon and everything, because it'll like end up
0: just blank. Exactly that. So like the I'm not okay. Yeah, like. It would have been weird if they weren't looking in the sky, only on the dark times or whatever, and like, and then just one day they looked and the moon was there. But you know, it's they could have not written about it until that point. But he talks about how the, um, yeah, about how the the moon could possibly be a spaceship. Um, another thing that's in there is talking about how there's like a mile long high monument with on the moon. Um, that was really interesting to kind of read that, about. I think it's, I haven't uh, heard
1: of that. That's weird. There's a mile yeah, high me, monument. That does. That seems pretty easy to spot. No, miles a lot of feet.
0: So let me let me find exactly where it says that. Um, You're right, Tristan.
3: If you can spot a man on the moon, you can definitely spot <laughs> monuments that are miles long.
0: Right? And that, that was that was the crazy thing. Let's see here. Unless it's on like it's the dark
1: like... side, if that's what they're talking about, because you know they are tidally locked, so you can't see the other side.
0: I don't think so. I was reading over it. It looked like it was observable, but again, it was let's see here. Um okay, so for example, the New York's New York um Herald. Tribune science editor John J. Orneal on July 29th, 1953 claimed to have seen a 12 mile long bridge straddling the Marne Crescent Crater. And the, so like, there's that, but I do remember reading um, okay, right bridge. here. Another amazing structure. Oh, what were you gonna say? I was just on the last bit. So there's a bridge on the moon is what he's saying, like a, across a crater? If, is that what Appear- apparently, yeah. Apparently, in 1953, okay. someone observed it. But then again, it's like, okay, so why, why has it not been observed since, or why is that not like something that is like published in like photographs of the moon? Because you think if there was something like that, it, you know, people would be taking more pictures of it, or you, you, you know, it'd yeah. be something like, yeah, uh, but. For, let's see here, let's see, another most amazing structure is known as the Shard, located in the, okay, I'm just going to spell it out, UKERT area of the moon, which is at the point nearest to the Earth, and it says the Shard was photographed by Orbiter 3 in preparation for the Apollo missions, Um, and the reason why uh, this is odd is because the Monument Tower's up a mile and a half from the moon's surface. So again, that's that's something again I I was unaware of until like going back and reading about reading about it. But it's it's things like that where the author of the book is just really just gathering things that people have said and leaving it up to you and not necessarily pushing it like oh aliens built this mile and a half long structure or he's not putting his opinion as far as based on X, Y, and Z, aliens had to have created the structure. So there's that. Yes.
3: um, Is there an episode of, is there a chapter or, uh, you know, a chapter dedicated to Travis Walton? Or do you think the author ever met Travis Walton?
0: So there is not a Travis Walton part in the book. However, one of the chapters. Let's see here. Where is it? Um, there's actually three chapters: Chapter Seven, Chapter Eight, and Chapter Nine. Face to Face, which talks about uh, a man from Venus. Um, another Chapter Eight is talks about missing time. Talks about star star children. Um, the the Mac attack. I, I again. I. I didn't read that part, so I don't know what that one's about. But then also Death from from the Sky, uh, Mutilations, uh, The Devils Made Me Do It. These Again, these are just titles of excerpts within the chapter. So it he does go into um, abductions and actual aliens and everything like that. I don't remember reading anything about Travis Walton, but there are some abduction slash people meeting extraterrestrials within the book. So yeah, what's your favorite version of that?
1: Like, is there a favorite story of a meeting that you saw or like one that's most credible to you?
0: Um, let's see here. I did want, I did point one out. What was it? Oh, I I didn't mark it, but there, there was one within it. I don't remember it right offhand, but it was pretty interesting. It was about, oh, I'm not even going to say it because I know I'm going to butcher it. Let me, while you guys are doing your pieces, I will go back, I will look at it, and then I will mention it. But yes, there was one that I did want to bring up uh, about abductions. So so yeah, um, let's see here. Some more, let's see here. What was another good... Have you guys heard of Foo Fighters? The, the band? <laughs> no, before it was a band, it was actually... Um, the term Foo Fighters came from ufos and I just again that was
1: nonsense it, that's cool mm-mm,
0: no so oh. the term foo fighters was developed in or not developed but the term was coined uh during world war ii uh by the allies when they were flying their planes uh the reason i don't remember the exact reason why they called them foo fighters but the the allies would be flying their planes typically at night and these orbs would be right next to their planes. And there's a story within the book. There's a couple of them actually talking about how pilots would bank to the right and bank to the left, or you know, do these maneuvers. And these orbs would stay perfectly in line with the uh, the airplanes. And then, just like in a blink of an eye, they would just take off with incredible speed. There's also another book. I don't remember the exact um, author and the publisher, but it's called Military. It's UFOs during military times, something on the line of that. I'll, I'll try to get the actual name of it. But again, that book goes into. Um, I'm sorry, my, my cat is playing with the cords on my computer right now.
3: You've got to pick up the cat and show it to us.
0: Oh, come on. That's my cat. Yeah. That uh, is an that's awesome cat. Chunky
3: boy. Yeah. Yeah,
2: <laughs>
0: yeah I'm sorry. I'm sorry boy. about that. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah,
0: right. <laughs> um, but getting back on track. Sorry. I'm I'm terrible today. Foo fighters. Yes. So that's where the term came from was during World War II. Um I don't remember. Actually, I I do remember reading stories of both allied and the access both documenting the same thing so the allies and americans british everyone was thinking that oh it was these germans messing around with like this random technology or advanced technology and following them but then you also had germans writing the exact same thing about the allies saying that they were working on some sort of advanced technology So, again, kind of cool there. Tristan, you said you didn't know that that's where it came from?
1: No, I just thought it was like a band just made nonsense, that's all. (laughs) I just thought it was nonsense. They were the fighters of who? I never questioned it.
0: Yeah, yeah.
3: (laughs) Actually, I thought that, you know, uh, it might be the Nazis. They were famous for doing some weird shitty experiments. So <laughs> yeah. So I thought it yeah. must be those, but then you clarified that even the Germans were clueless. so I don't know who's the third party here <laughs> who, well, so, who and, is, and, uh, yeah, and that's
0: yeah. the and that's the thing about like the UFOs and why I like these books and everything like that is because it's it really makes you wonder, all right, if it's and I think that's a perfect example of like that's why aliens or you know maybe not aliens, but like UFOs or there has to be some sort of like other life out there is because you have super or world powers at a like a time of war both documenting something that 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 they can't explain. Um and yes the 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 Nazis were working with some weird stuff. There's I'm sure there's plenty of books. I don't know any right off the top of my head, but they were messing around with some weird stuff. Um Sorry, that's my neighbor's car. I don't know if you heard that. Um Yes. Yeah, you heard it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um but yeah, that's that's uh that that was about the foo fighters. Let's see here, another another thing that oh, I wanted one, to bring. One piece
1: back backing up on that one real quick. Um just kind of yep. curious. So from the description, it was basically like balls of light following them, or do they have some sort of more defined form or shape?
0: So um for the mo- okay, so it's really weird. Um I, I wish I would have brought the the war the UFOs during wartime book up here. Um, but certain ones would have certain shapes. So there was a... what was it? it, it looked It had a very weird shape. It looked like a pontoon boat with wings. and it had lights, but it didn't make any sound. And the reason why the reason why it's so weird is because it looked like a plane, but again, like what I was saying, no one took credit for it. And it would fly over, I think, oh it was in the middle of winter when like flying planes at night was just not a feasible thing or not a smart thing to do, especially like in oh, I think it was in Finland or like Norway. It was somewhere really cold, kind of out there. But again, they reported like, e- I think it was every couple weeks, just this random pontoon looking plane would fly over now again i I've, I've brought this up in other episodes too where they might have referred to it looking like a plon, plon a, a pontoon a, a pontoon jeez <laughs> because that's the only thing they knew it kind of looked like because it, you know um <laughs> Uh, (laughs) we might need to like take a pause with me go (laughs) on to somebody different and come back (laughs) no
1: no we're digging this into the ground man no 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 (laughs) the the skeptic in me like the reason I was kind of asking about like what they looked like with that because I mean people aren't really meant to be in planes going a billion miles an hour way above like the surface especially Mm. in that time when it was new and like they didn't have like the safety provisions we do now um so and like our other t- conversation we had before specific about like world war ii and world war one they were specifically pilots they put on a lot of chemicals to keep them moving mm-hmm. um and keep them aware because it it takes such like i remember hearing like the world war one uh i mean no world war ii uh, british fighters because they're, they're you know they're uh, Air Force was really renowned for basically staving off the British invasion for a long time. But, like, their ratio was so low all the time to do anything. <laughs> like, they go out there, and if they see someone, it was really unlikely they would actually hit them because um, it's so difficult. But, I don't know, it just makes me wonder just, like, if both sides were just exhausted and pushed so far that the second they kind of saw anything, it they kind of backpedaled the rest in their brain later, you know? And especially if other people kind of saw something and they could just kind of like that collective false memory thing.
0: Well, all right, let me let me read real quick. Um, so this is let's see, his name is Lieutenant or his name was Lieutenant Donald Myers. Um this is what this is quoting him what he said about the the orbs. All right. So it said, I turned starboard and the balls of fire. Turned with me, Myers recalled. I turned to port side, and they turned with me. We were going 260 miles an hour, and the balls were keeping right up with us. When I first saw the things, I had the horrible thought about that a German was ready to press a button and explode them. So, I I I don't know. Like it's it really doesn't. He described them as a ball of fire, which is you know like it. it, So what could it what could it have been you know like was it just a really bright light that you know because again they didn't have leds they didn't have like the type of lights that we have now so again we would if we were to see something like that nowadays we maybe would equate it to that like it looked like a big led light but then you think i don't know 50 years from now people would be like no that's totally inaccurate I don't know it just they don't they don't really go into too much detail within this book of what some of the uh, aircraft look like um the other book ufos during wartime definitely gets into more of that actual description of uh the the aircrafts so there's a there's plenty more what's up bro i
3: i've always wanted to ask you this um yes You know, if you ever, you know, encounter or come across an alien.
0: Oh, (laughs) sorry. We don't have a lot of time to talk about this, but. (laughs) All the time in the world, man. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, I, I have all right. So there's there's there, there's there's two. Okay, now I'm stuttering because I'm so excited about this. <laughs> I'm sorry if, if you're an audience and you stutter. I'm not trying to make fun of you. I'm just I'm just excited. Whatever. Okay, all right. It, it depends. All right. So if if a little squishy dude like ET came up to me and you know was like ah, I would. Almost like my cat. I would hang out with them. We would be cool. Like I would not keep it as a pet, you know. Like, I, I, but you know, I would hang out with them. We would be bros. It would be cool. Um, yeah. I and but then then again, there, there's like the uh, M Night Shyamalan, uh, Shyamalan alien. Yeah.
3: M Night Shyamalan. <laughs>
0: yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Where like you know they're they're bad aliens or like even the aliens from the movie. Aliens, where they're like, you know, have the face hugger thing, and I don't, I don't know. Like, I think you know, at first I'd be a little standoffish. I'd have to evaluate the situation, um, but yeah, I think, I think if there were ET or like even like oh, what is it? Uh, there's another movie called like I think it's called like Mork or like Mac or something like that. It was a ripoff of ET, <laughs> but yeah, it. I think it would be pretty cool. I think it would be pretty cool to make first contact, you know, like fist bump with an alien, whatever. Yeah. You just
1: want a little buddy, huh? Somebody play video yeah. games all night and drink
0: Mountain Dew. <laughs> exactly.
3: So, yeah. <laughs> Listeners, you know, whenever uh, we have an alien coming down to Earth, you know uh, who our leader is. Who should we send
0: yeah. <laughs> to speak to
3: the aliens? <laughs>
0: I'll probably, if if that were to happen, I would drop everything and I would go to the location and just, I'm your number one fan. That would be my, that would be my, like, you know, like, well, <laughs> uh, but yeah, <laughs> it, it oh, <laughs> <What? they> <laughs> the, the number one finger? The <laughs> like <a> phone finger? <laughs> <laughs> well... <laughs> but yes the the book alien agenda it's it's really good <laughs> it it talks uh, again we we were kind of talking a little bit about it but it it really just breaks it down really in a, a really good way to where you as the reader get to make that call um plenty of good you know topics um, areas a lot of different areas one I didn't cover but, but were uh, crop circles just really touching on that really, real quickly. He does go over, because um, I don't know if either one of you read into this or know about this, but some of them are man-made. People go out there with two-by-fours and rope and will actually like push down the crops. He talks about that, but then he also talks about how different instruments and electronics like can go kind of haywire in these areas. So again... Leaves it up to you as the reader as far as like what you want to believe. So good. I think I think it's I think it's pretty uh a pretty good read, especially if you like aliens like me. I, I say go check no it out. No one likes aliens like you. <laughs> yeah. I am the, I am the ultimate alien lover right I, here. <laughs> I was
3: about to say that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but
0: well, that sounds like Tristan, a cool book, man. Y- yeah. Yeah. If you guys, yeah. If you guys want to, want to borrow it, just let me know. I'll, I'll ship it over to you.
1: Oh, I think it'll be cheaper to just buy one, honestly. Yeah, exactly. I, th- I think so.
0: <laughs> Might be faster too. Oh, all right. Tristan, you, the book that you're about to bring up, um, I had never heard before.
1: Yeah. I talk about it a lot on this show because it's like, hands down my favorite book. Um, it's Player Piano from Kurt Vonnegut. Um, it was his first book, actually. Uh, he wrote a lot of, like, little short story kind of stuff that would be in magazines because that's how he was making money um, for a while. It's was just literally selling short stories. And this was, like, the first novel novel he wrote. Important thing to know about him, like, personally, is he worked for General Electric around the time he wrote this. And he also was a uh, prisoner of war in Germany during World War II. Um, really huge influence on his life yeah a bunch of his books are about um basically the after effects of war which is pretty common at that time because it was such a big Mm -hmm. staple in human history a lot of media for like the next fuck like 50 years were basically based around that war and he was no exception but he took it a little different because he was kind of known as like a sci-fi kind of writer um a lot of those kind of weird serial stories stuff like that but um basically this book it takes place after yes
0: i was was gonna say i I don't mean to interrupt you oh you're but i think one author who is just notorious for just like putting himself into books is stephen king like every he has a lot of good books and a lot of good material I'm surprised none of us picked any of his books or anything like that, but
1: I thought about doing the shining or the, Shinning, as the like shining is the shining. Oh, that's a great that's book. Such a good book.
0: It is the movie and the book are completely different. It did Rose So please? different, Um, but yes, um, Stephen King, like almost, I feel like every one of his books is always about a writer. Like the main yeah. character is, is a writer. Uh, what is it? Misery, Shining, uh, Room Four Thirteen, I think it the is. The body
1: is too. For Stand by Me, he's also a writer yeah. in that one. He's just a kid. Yep,
0: yep. So and it, granted, he's like, a writer.
1: He's, it is a read, dude. Yep. It took me a year to get through that book. Oh, really? <laughs> it's like fifteen hundred pages, and oh, just like geez. I read it like. I read it in like a couple of days. I read like the first half, and then I just needed a break from it. Then I didn't touch it for almost like six months, and then I you know, <laughs> cranked out the rest later. Just because it's was, it was so dense, but it's he, like it's, it's just like the movies, but like he takes every instant and just stretches it out for fucking ever. But like in a good way, like it's, it's like when you look at a pretty picture. Like there's not really a lot of relevant content, but it's just pleasing to read.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. I'm gonna have to check that out. But sorry, I didn't mean to up to you. I was no, just no, wanted no, to good. point that out.
1: He's one of my other favorite authors. So um I, I own a lot of Stephen King books. Um but anyway, so the basic plot of this story is it was written in nineteen like fifty-three, that plus or minus a few years. And it's about a world past World War Three. Because remember the mentality then was that the World War Three was inevitable because World War Two was inevitable. That's just kind of mm-hmm. how they felt. Um but during this war, World War Three, what ends up happening is while everyone's off fighting, um, a bunch of the scientists and men at home start developing uh, machines that are automated, right? No more people having to run these machines. Um, it's all an automatic process. Now it uses 1950s language as far as what the future will look. So it's a lot of like those tube cathode tubes and like punch tape for Uh, computers. Shit like that is what they picture the future. They had no idea about, you know, microprocessors or any of the stuff that would actually happen. So, but that, but they, he extrapolates those small concepts into a world that is effectively run automatically for the population. Right. Everything is done by machines now. Now, when that happens, it divides the entire country into basically two sects. You have the engineers and managers, you know, the people that run the machines and run the corporations. And then you have fucking literally everybody else. Um, And it completely polarizes everything. Now, our story player piano takes place uh, really between two people, but mostly just one. Uh, This guy, Paul Proteus is his name. He's a manager in Ilium, New York, um, and he runs one of the the biggest sections in that area. Um, His father was actually one of the main... Go ahead. Did you
0: say alien?
1: No. Paul Proteus.
0: No, 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 no. What what part of New York? Ilium. Oh, I thought you said alien. I was just like, oh, alien. (laughs) I will say this now.
1: There's no aliens in this book. There are absolutely none. It's all just regular people. That's why it's so fucking sad. (laughs) anyway uh where was i with that uh so his father was basically like the equivalent of the first prime minister of like the new country that was reformed and reshaped after world war three um paul's father was so he has a lot of high hopes for him he's 35 years old he's young he um is like at the top of his game type of thing right um so what effectively happens is he's just he's bored okay like He doesn't find a lot of meaning in it. When he was younger and he was designing all these machines, he was super like gung-ho about change and trying to make people's lives better and like be a force of good. But then once it all kind of settles down and it's a time to kind of just enjoy it and sit back, he just stops caring about it as much, I guess is the best way to put it. He becomes very apathetic. There's a lot of apathy in that character. Mm -hmm. And then out of nowhere, his old friend comes to town. His name's Ed Finnerty, or Finnery. Um, And he's kind of like this wild... Card dude where like he's the smartest person probably on the face of the fucking planet but he's so anti-establishment it just like he doesn't shower things like that and he's always <laughs> smoking constantly on his cigarettes and puts him out wherever he wants like he's just a force of yeah. chaos but he's literally the smartest person on the planet and they've been best friends since they were you know kids basically
0: um, I feel like that, I feel like that's kind of like that's not too far off like some people do I've known people like that where it's like mm-hmm. they're super smart and like they They could, if they just applied themselves to like something, they could accomplish a lot. But then they choose to just go down like a weird path. I'm sure we all know people or someone who's done that before.
1: Yep. And Paul, the main character, idolizes him to an extent because the one thing Paul wants to do is not care what people think because his whole life has been based around like you were meant to do this kind of stuff but the problem Mm -hmm. is he doesn't really know what he wants to do he's so apathetic it's not like he's like oh i want to be like ed and not care about anything but i don't really know what i don't have any meaning in anything so there's just there's nothing there's no reason to right yeah um so what they end up doing is they they go off to a bar, because um, Ed, like I said, shows up out of nowhere and kind of drags him out of his office and is like, hey, let's let's go to a bar, clear our heads, blah blah blah. I need to, I got to tell you some stuff. So they go to Homestead. That's the name of the area where all the people that aren't managers um, live. Um, now those people are divided basically into two sections. There's the Reeks and Rex, which is the Reclamation Corps, which is basically like state-run. Like construction workers, I guess more broadly, basically the state pays them to do random tasks, like whatever the fuck they like, like, nothing they really even need to do. It's just a job to have a job kind of thing. The only other thing you can do is join the army. Those are literally your two choices if you do not have the intelligence and are measured smart enough to be an engineer or a manager. That's, that's it. Huh. But as you can imagine, the people in Homestead throw the best parties. So that's where Ed wanted to go because <laughs> they have much more fun. Yeah. Um, so they go to a bar and in that bar, they Start drinking, having a good time, and where the namesake of the book is, there's a player piano in the background, which is like an automatic piano that you can put like a quarter in and it'll play a song. Um, and they end up meeting this guy by the name of Lasher. Uh, he's a, a minister um, and also with an anthropology degree. Just a weird mix, but that's what he is. Uh, and he <laughs> basically starts talking to them about the meaning of work. And that becomes the overarching theme of this whole book um, is the meaning of doing something that matters right because if you perfect your society and you have nothing meaningful to contribute anymore your soul basically dies you have no purpose and that's where like you you can get things like the violence can come from that um just all kinds of bad choices can come from that feeling and that's exactly how paul specifically is feeling because he feels like he has no purpose in what he's doing there's there's nothing he can really improve or change in the world. It's just about him accumulating more power and wealth. And that's not really what he cares about. Um, he just wants something meaningful in his life. So they end up leaving the bar and kind of going back about their business. But it, it, it plants this seed in Paul's head about wanting some sort of change. But it, it doesn't manifest, honestly, really ever throughout the book. He just stays pretty fucking apathetic the entire time. Um. What specifically comes next after that? Sorry, I'm trying to, I, ra- it, it bounces back and forth between a few points. So I'm trying to get the narrative straight. Um, no,
0: no, that's fine. I, I was just going to add, like, I feel like, I feel like that's almost where, like, the, it just reminds me of, like, when people have, I guess, like a midlife crisis where exactly it's like where it they're, is. like, where they're trying to be like, okay, what's my purpose? What's my legacy? And everything like that. And, like, I guess, like, just thinking about that, because like, okay, I'm 30 years old and everything. And like, I want to say, like, I've been kind of not like I've had those thoughts. But it's weird how it's I do find myself kind of looking back and having that like wondering, like, maybe if I applied myself a little bit more, I would be someplace different. Or like, what would my life be like, if I went down, like, rather than getting an associate's degree? What if I would have gotten a bachelor's degree? Would I be in the same spot that I'm at right now? Or would have things changed? Would have made my life any better? So I find myself almost like doing stuff like that. And I feel like that's almost kind of like what's going on in the book that you're talking about.
1: Uh, Basically, yeah, it's it's kind of an extreme version of that. He's having a serious existential crisis um, Mm -hmm. because he's trying to find his place in a world that he helped create. And he's starting to realize the ramifications of what he did because remember he was instrumental in getting these machines to run themselves. A really funny thing that they did that it just, it baffles me today with how people program things now, but this was their interpretation. So what he did is he took the best lathe operator that existed. You guys ever seen a lathe work before? So it's basically like a spinning, uh, thing of metal and then you, it's spinning on a spindle so super fast. And then you take a cutting tool by hand and you can shape it like that. Like woodworkers do mm. that a lot. Um, but that's effectively how anything round made out of metal is, um, made. Um, mm. you program them now. Uh, I've, I've done that before, um, but you can do them by hand and it's actually really fun to do. So, what they did is they took the best manual lathe operator they could find in the country. And what they did is they recorded his movements in every possible conceivable way of different things he could make. And they basically recorded it to punch tape. So, they made programs off of his movement. And then now he doesn't have a job because they don't need him anymore.
0: They are actually doing that now with what is it? They're the, there's a concept. Of a robot in the kitchen where like you you tell it what you want it to make okay. and they've they've made or they've what do they do they like they recorded a chef's hand movement so like chopping an onion they, they put like cameras all over the place like how he's holding it and like all this stuff and like the the speed and everything and then they program that into this the robot to do the exact same thing now again my memory's kind of fuzzy, so I don't know if it was just like a concept, but I do remember I do remember seeing that before. Like I again, that's, probably on Reddit.
3: That's just Ratatouille, but it's a robot instead of a rat.
0: <laughs> oh, I didn't like that movie. I'm not gonna lie. I didn't I was, was not okay. a fan of that movie. It was a okay. The rat? No, no, I I just I feel like it wasn't oh, what was it? It's Pixar that makes that, right? Pixar that makes those movies? Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I felt like it wasn't Pixar's like best movie. The 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 short though, do you guys remember what the short was before the movie? No, god no. Oh? <laughs> It was about aliens. <laughs> it was, it was the, it was, uh, what was it? Uh, the alien. I'm, we're getting way off topic. I'm sorry. Uh, the, the alien that, um, it's like in practice to abduct people. It's like there's a big alien and like a tiny alien and there's like all these switches. And the, the, the little alien is just like looking at all these switches and he's like, uh, <laughs> and the big alien has like a clipboard. <laughs> and he like he presses just a random one and the dude like hits the wall it's funny i liked it it was pretty good but okay <laughs> back to your story enough about aliens this good. is the last time i bring up aliens on this this episode
1: basically what happens I like i said <laughs> the the seed is planted in his head that he needs to make a change and in his head what he decides that he needs to do is quit Because someone in his position to quit is literally like unheard of. No one does that. And you're also, it's your state required to have a job too. Like it's not, it's one of those kinds of futuristic dystopian things where like you have, you can't just not have a job. Like you have to be registered into something. Um, So for him to quit is basically unheard of. So he gets that planted in his head, but he's just like, I need to get some prep work first because, like, my wife will never understand how I'm feeling unless I slowly introduce her to these concepts because if I just throw this all at her at once, she's going to think I'm a mad person. Now I'll say this right off the bat. His wife's a bitch. His wife's awful. She's just not a good person.
0: Is she not supportive she, of him? <laughs> no,
1: not even fucking a little bit. She, so she's one of the people that was from Homestead. So she was basically lower class. And she trapped him into marrying her by telling him that she was pregnant when she wasn't. Then it turns out after they got married that she can't have kids at all. And his whole lineage just dies. But, you know, it's also inappropriate for him to divorce her either in this kind of social structure.
0: Well, I was going to but, like, is divorce an option, though?
1: Yes, but not if you want to, like, live your life at all. You just completely become ostracized from that and... Yeah. So if he wanted to keep moving up, which up until this point he had wanted to keep moving up, it was not a possible option. And was, he goes back and forth with saying parts about how he does love you. Her name is Anita. And like, um, they, he does this thing where he does like the italics of it where like she'll say, I love you, Paul. And then he does, I italic love you, Anita. And it's emphasizing that he's not really sure. And then like at oh. the end of the book, it flips because, um, uh, yeah, she ends up cheating on him with some douchebag. Um, jeez she's not not a good this is your favorite book yeah mostly because the ending is just great Um, but anyway so what he decides he wants to do is go what's up are
3: you you okay Tristan
2: (laughs) no
1: but this is my favorite book (laughs) so what he ends up deciding he wants to do is to buy a farm and live off the land and work with his hands because that's something that rich people think is Fun when they don't have to work in their life. So he buys a farm because he has plenty of money. Uh, And there's like an old innkeeper dude who works there and like he has to stay there because he's part of like the family stuff. So he insists on being there, blah, blah, blah. But he is able to present it to his wife as a uh, like a getaway home because it's rustic because she likes all that kind of crap. She decorates our house like it's the old west kind of thing, right? Got it. So he inevitably brings her there um, as a romantic getaway, basically being like, hey, look at this thing I bought. And the first fucking thing she does is say, oh, cool. Well, I'll tear that down and I'll put this here and we'll tear this down and we'll install lights here and blah, blah, here and here. And he's like, no, the whole point of this place is that we have nothing, right? We don't have amenities or comfort or nothing. It's supposed to be a hard life so we can, you know, actually find meaning in it. And she thinks that's the most absolutely ridiculous thing in the world. Now, closely following this, what ends up happening is there's this giant conference that they go to. It's called the Meadows. I talked about this on the Alex Jones episode a little bit, um, where basically it's a meeting place of all the top performing managers, engineers, all the top performing people in the co- um, country get invited to this thing. And it's basically a grooming process to move them up forward. There's a lot of little like games and ritually things and stuff like that that kind of vets people. And your performance at that conference basically dictates the rest of your career if you if you fuck up in the first five minutes like there's a guy who got overly drunk your career's done you're you never are going to progress for the rest of your life Um, just to kind of summarize what happens pretty quickly uh him and ed are both there um ed just kind of makes a show of a lot of things like there's a checker match between um paul and like a robot checkerboard and um ed like pulls one of the wires to fuck it up because you know paul's a paul's a master chess player but I mean, a master checkered player, but, uh, you know, it's a a robot. You know, you know how those things go. Um, So what ends up happening a little farther down is they have this big sacred oak tree um, that they all kind of use as a symbol of unity and accountability and friendship and all that stupid stuff. So what what ends up happening is someone (laughs)
0: rips... (laughs) How is friendship bad and how is unity bad?
1: (laughs) It is when it's put in a manipulative fashion.
0: Oh, okay, okay, yeah, all right, that's right, that's right. Okay, yeah, you're right. <laughs> this is
1: all This is all based around manipulating people into thinking that they're better than others, so that way they can maintain control. Got so it, in that's right. In that context, what they're trying to do is bad. It's using good concepts for evil, which is way worse. Um, yep, yep. So some, someone ends up ripping the bark off of the tree, and he gets thrown out, and then it ends up all basically being blamed on Paul. Now, the reason it's blamed on Paul is his big bosses decide that, Paul needs to infiltrate this group of rebels, let's call them. They're called the Ghost Shirt Society. It's something that a bunch of uh, Native Americans would wear pretending to be— I think they pretend to be like haunted ghosts just to fuck with um, the Americans trying to take over their land. So they made this thing called the Ghost Shirt Society. Um, hmm. So th- they co-opt that, and they make this like underground revolution thing. Lasher, the minister, is the leader of it. And Ed Finnerty has already joined it because he just—that tickled every button he has. Um, so what they want is they want paul to infiltrate it because they know all about what happened at that uh that bar that meeting they know all about it and they want it to go away um also there's a few other small things paul had done just kind of pushing a little far like he had an unregistered gun in his car that you definitely can't have and they knew about that um there's something else wrong with his car and then like there's a couple just little things that they were able to kind of like be like hey you kind of have to do this now or you're you're fucked um And he just went along with it because his plan was to just infiltrate and actually end up joining them. That was actually what he decided he was going to do then. Um, It's just to actually join the society and see what they're kind of all about. So as he's leaving, he comes to find out that, yes, his wife was indeed cheating on him and wants nothing to do with him anymore. And she thinks he's a rebel and a traitor and horrible and disgusting. So uh, Paul tries to convince her that, like, hey, no, I love you. Like, you're not – I'm not an evil person, blah, blah, blah. This is – what's going on and she just basically thinks he's trash and leaves him for the person who was gunning for the same job he was she's awful um i don't know why i don't know why women are written in books and portrayed in movies that like that that often it always seems to happen always drives me nuts um but anyway so he ends up quote-unquote joining the rebels which not really basically they they basically take him prisoner i guess is the best way to put it um they use him as a face is what they do. So they basically put Paul as the leader of their rebellion, but he doesn't do anything. They, they literally drug him and keep him like locked up. Yeah. So what they end up doing is they plan a giant revolution uh, to take over the state. Um, Paul ends up getting out and he ends up being captured by the state at this point and he's um, on trial and for, you know, Treason, all that good crap, and he admits to all of it. And he's just like, yeah, blah blah blah. I did this because of this and this and that. And it he makes a whole big show. Um, and at this point, everyone still thinks that he is, uh, at least his bosses still think that he's on their side and he's trying to take him down from within. Uh, until he actually goes on the stand and starts saying like what he actually feels. But the problem is he doesn't even really know what he feels at this point because uh, the people that he thought he was going to join and have a revolution literally just held him as prisoner. So, like, he has no home and no nothing anywhere. His family's, like, completely destroyed. His work life is destroyed. And this revolution that he was deciding to join is basically just a big facade. Um, So the revolution does kick off, and they actually break him out in the courtroom before sentencing can happen because the entire world basically starts rioting. And the whole point, the structure of the plan was to destroy the machines that took away the livelihood of man, right? You know, the the machines that took them jobs, those ones, right? Um, but people being people, as soon as they started rioting, they just fucking started, right? They just broke everything, like everything they possibly could get their hands on. And the army and national guard is brought in blah, blah, blah. they, they tried like isolated strikes in all the major cities around the United States and they're able to do a lot of damage, but it did not take long for the military to come in and be like okay stop it (laughs) you're not in like an an, uh an armed society here you're not talking about where everyone has a gun on every corner or nothing like that you know those things are highly controlled so they really didn't have a lot of material to do much of anything with it was mostly just sticks and rocks at that point um so they all turn themselves in and give up and Paul is with them and his friends there because at that point he's sucked back into the ghost shirt society and is at least helping because he's smart. Um, and once it kind of starts, he's kind of sucked into it. But he never really. It wasn't what he was hoping anything would be. As soon as they are arrested, the first thing he notices is. Uh, so have you, ever, have you ever seen that? Um, You ever watch Rick and Morty? No, no. <laughs> Okay, Well, there's then that, this analogy will do nothing. So basically what happens is <laughs> uh, as they're driving away, they, they see a bunch of people um, around the wreckage, right? And one of the people specifically they see is this young engineer that he knew that could make anything out of anything. He was the smartest like, engineer he's ever known. He just loved fucking fixing things. That was his whole thing. And they see him on the street with all this wreckage, and the first thing they start
0: doing is building the machines again. So, it's just going to repeat itself and it's just going to be a vicious circle.
1: Yep. Because, like, we've talked about this before, like, people aren't, they don't serve their own self interest. You know what I mean? They realize that all these people were miserable and in this position because they created technology that took away their livelihood. And the first thing they do after they destroy that technology is start building it again. So, that's, that's everything so was for nothing. <clears throat> Everything's pointless.
0: I feel like we that's just like, as, I feel like we do that as humans though too like we know that like something doesn't work or isn't right or like is I guess flawed but yet we still do it sometimes I wish I had I wish I had an example of it maybe (sighs) I can't think of anything right now I'm sure I will but I feel like there are instances where that happens Ro it looks like you're gonna say something too
3: no actually I wanted to uh Uh, talk about on a lighter note you know right until uh, Tristan spoke about you know those um, the general society just rioting and kind of claiming back um, uh, themselves uh, for lack of a better word um, and going against everything that was automated probably you know everything was being done by machines only that part of the story kind of reminded me of another animated movie i'm sorry i'm just talking about disney and pixar today <laughs> oh i if
0: bet you, i know it's
3: right, if you yeah if you know uh, it's wally that i'm talking yep. about oh yeah
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep.
3: yeah, yep. I and those humans are so fat they they, they are constantly <laughs> on their chair right yep. they are not doing anything and then the captain eventually just pushes a button and then from there everybody kind of uh reclaims their lives as a human should leave live so yeah that that yeah. is something the themes that are very similar
1: he just yeah. equates it at the end of the fact that unfortunately I, I feel like that's an inherent thing people want to do but once they do it they're immediately so like the, the the big people from wally what they're going to do is as soon as they start creating their society again they're just going to make a society in which that they're going to get fat and then go on a spaceship again and it's just the cyclical yeah. <laughs> thing of just it, it's inevitable that people are going to do that.
0: There's a uh, movie that came out <clears throat> recently called uh, "Save Yourself." It's a it's an indie movie, I believe it's on Hulu. Um, but it's these it's a it's a couple, and they notice that they're like spending too much time. Um, with like technology and like on their phones and computer and like it it gets down to the point where like they're they're trying to be intimate with each other but then one of them gets a text message and is like oh I have to answer this and then just like the intimacy is just gone it's just like and then they're just back on their phones Um, but uh, they go out like they just make an agreement they're like let's get off technology for one week and that's what they do is they, they get off their technology, like they take they bring their cell phones with them, but they go to this cabin in the woods and they just try to like center themselves and like you know try, try to be a human again, but they start learning real fast that they have no skills whatsoever. And the funny thing about this is that the time that they decide that they're gonna do this an alien invasion happens. Oh God, you promised. You promised. (laughs) Oh, that's right. That's right. I I said, I wasn't going to mention anything about aliens anymore.
2: Whoopsies.
0: God damn it. (laughs) Oh, but it, it, it was a, uh, it was a pretty decent movie. It, And it just
3: said when you said cabin in the woods, I expected two things ghosts or serial killers, not aliens.
1: I thought it'd be a horror (laughs) thing too. I didn't I didn't think it'd go all (laughs) sci-fi on us.
0: No, no. And it's but it it, it's kind of it kind of shows you where I guess like, like I guess now, like how I guess if you were to say like an influencer or something like that, where it's like Or maybe like today's like younger generation. Like if things were to hit the fan, are they gonna have any sort of skills to survive? And it it like they do. They end up surviving. I don't mean to ruin the movie, but they they do end up surviving. I won't say how or anything like that. But they do make it. It's rough, but they make it. And it kind of reminds me of of that book a little bit, where I guess in a in a sense where yeah, like they maybe not because I guess he starts rebuilding technology, but I don't know. I, I just wanted to bring that up.
3: But you also need to think about probably the fact that they have been around technology probably their entire life, and to mm-hmm. start everything from scratch like a Stone Age man may not be possible. And they will eventually rely rely on technology to kind of make their life simpler, and from there it just grows and then. They are back to point A where, you know, they did not want technology to take over their lives so much.
1: True. So the reason this is my favorite book is I think it's important to remember that to be human inherently means that you use external tools. That's just an inherent part of being human. We wouldn't have gotten anywhere evolutionarily unless we did that. I mean, part of the reason I think this is just one theory as to why our brains grew so big is because we started eating fish, which required us to use tools because primates aren't able to really grab fish with their hands very easily, right? Like, they were forced to use these things to grow and change. So technology, at its most basic sense, is inherent in human DNA. It's something we are always going to create, even if it's just sticks and, like— generic tools like that we're always going to do that so we're always going to be forced to live with that impulse to create bigger and better things humans have always done that but the important point of this book is it doesn't matter how big and far you build yourself and build your society it means nothing if people can't find meaning in their life if people don't find meaning in their work if they're unhappy with what they're doing if they feel stuck Right. If they feel like they have no ability to progress and move forward and by their own damn right, move up. As soon as you take away that aspect from people, that's where trouble brews. It doesn't matter how much technology you have. You just have to make sure that that technology is in the hands of people that could do something with it. You can't separate, you know, that that, that old adage where separate the worker from the means of production. Right. You can't take away these tools from them they have to be an integral part of those tools to feel like they have meaning in a society.
0: Think, yeah, True. you have to have a good you have to have a good balance between the two. Like technology mm-hmm. is a great thing, but it can be that your worst enemy too. So you have to have that balance
1: but you can't ignore it. You can't just go isolate yourself in a fucking cabin in the woods and just get away from it because that separates <laughs> you from society as a whole. You can't just True. do that. And like, that's you know, what these people were trying to do in the book. And at the very end, they show you the fallacy of it. And Kerr does that a lot in his books where he sets you up on a point and he like, it's the whole book feels like, yeah, down with machines, down with the establishment, fuck the government. Like that's how he kind of builds up the whole book. And then at the very end, he's just like, oh wait, no, none of that meant anything, fuck, all right.
0: Like you do need it still. Yeah, you have to learn
1: to live in harmony with everything around you.
0: That's. I'm gonna have to read that book. I'm gonna have to read that book. It probably it's gonna it. take me a minute. But. It's not that long, actually. It's only like um. Hold on, I have, a, I have a copy
2: over here.
1: This is a collection of like his early ones. I've his whole. I have his whole set. Um, that, that book
0: is like two inches thick I'm, oh I'm no it's like re- there's
1: like there's like six books in here
0: um, Ooh, oh oh okay okay okay, okay. Uh,
1: player piano is three hundred and like five yeah three hundred and five pages wow.
0: no no I it's, can't it's do not, it it's not a long book That's it's short man
3: <laughs> I do
0: short I'm telling you I told you, Curious George, if it doesn't have pictures, I, I'm not gonna read it. <laughs> I will draw
1: you pictures for okay,
0: it. Okay, that that works. <laughs>
1: they will be stick figures, but they will be pictures.
0: Uh,
1: okay, that wraps up my my depressing story about why nothing is
0: I anything. I like it though. Like I think I think your book like it it's gonna be one of those where, where it has a lot of meaning. And you have to you have to like you have to be aware of that too. You can't just I guess It's not going to be in your face, like action or, you know, like it's telling it's one of these things you have to put it together. So, yeah, it's
1: supposed to make you think about yourself and about your life and kind of your station in it. And like, you know, like (laughs) that midlife crisis thing, it gets you thinking about like, what's important to you. And that's kind of the point of it.
0: Yeah, I can definitely tell. Mm -hmm. Ro, what? Scary story time. Yeah, I think both (laughs) Tristan and I are pretty excited to hear what you have. So what is it God.
3: no pressure <laughs> <laughs> all right yeah i mean uh, of course everyone knows that my favorite topic is ghosts horror and paranormal and supernatural so um the my author has written over 500 books ranging Jesus. from horror fantasy <laughs> and science fiction um, it was honestly very difficult to pick and choose just one of her books so what I did uh, is, and I can show it to you is I actually wrote down a couple of her uh, I actually wrote down a couple of her uh, the names of her books on a sheet of paper and oh. I just closed my eyes and yeah. put my finger you on covered
0: one It covered up the mic we couldn't, we couldn't hear what you were saying <laughs> So, uh, what,
3: what I showed to you guys is the, is the name of uh, her books that I have read. Um, the top favorites that I uh, like. Uh, I just wrote the titles of those. I closed my eyes and I put my finger on one of them. And that's how I decided that this is, this is the book that I'll be talking about. So, before oh I begin, of course, a bit about the author. So my author's name is Amy Cross. Um, if you guys have heard of her. I mean, if it you read
1: got a, <laughs> like a little bell.
3: <laughs> so um, well, Amy Cross is from London, and uh, from what I uh, read in one of her interviews is that she really loved the Narnia books as a kid. And she is also inspired by Emily Bronte's style of working, which I think is quite experimental. So the book today that I chose is uh, called The Haunting of Black Witch Grange or Black White Grange, I don't know how to pronounce that. So uh, the story starts uh, in the present, where a team of researchers um, gain permission to enter this house which is which is supposed to be haunted. Um, Paula is one of, uh, or is actually, one, of, is our main character um, and she's part of this research team. The house is haunted by a ghost or spirit named Elizabeth Marengam. Now, the way the story is written is it, it keeps taking us from present to past to present again so you just really have to concentrate a lot but having said that what i really like about amy's style of writing is that you know at least for me i can literally see the characters you know come to life and the scene being played in front of me like it's Really easy for a reader to get into the book and flow with the story. And which I think is a great job, especially for ghost stories or horror story writers. It's not easy to kind of capture your reader's imagination. Yes, Alex, you were saying.
0: I, I was going to say like that, I think is a huge piece that you have to try to do. Cause I think Stephen King does that pretty well too so in his bad. books or like they make it really immersive and they put you almost where like you can see every little thing and like it's, yeah. So do, I, you, I think do,
1: I know what you're talking about. You ever read any of the game of Thrones books? Yes. Mm-hmm. Motherfucker will have like, spend like five pages talking about the food. <laughs> really? Yeah. Like literally that's you're hungry as shit by the time you're done with it too. But he'd like the, the detail of every little thing, how it's prepared. It's, the best. Does he have like the recipe in the the book? Like two <laughs> tables. Kinda. It's more like it's just describing all the elements in the dish where it's just like this roast oh, duck okay. with this yeah, super you can type literally of sauce.
3: up making it.
1: <laughs> Oh yeah. You gotta grab like a big like stein of beer and just eat like a roast duck while you're reading it. It's the only way to do it properly. I'm sure that's what he was doing I'm... when he was making <laughs> yeah. it. Like, oh yeah, this is good. <laughs> <laughs> nom, nom, nom. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Because <laughs> uh, I I know the author I've seen him before so he looks like that kind of guy.
3: <laughs> you have uh, like in person?
0: No 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 like I haven't like <laughs> okay. hung out with him or anything like that. <laughs> Me and him aren't like buddies, but you know I've I've seen pictures of him.
3: <laughs> right okay um so uh. Amy Cross, right. So, but like any other horror movies or ghost stories that you read, Amy also has characters that you would, you know, probably want to throttle by the neck.
2: <laughs> like, yep. when
3: watch, when you, like when you watch a movie, especially horror movies, you'll always have this character who will go around in the night without switching on even one light bulb going like, who's there?
2: Who's going to answer? It's me.
0: (laughs) Who's there? (laughs) No, see, that's, you bring up a great point. I don't, ah, in in like scary movies and I I guess books too, like I don't understand why they do things like that. Like I I never understand that. Like they go down to the basement where they hear a sound, like in the middle of the night, uh, yeah, it's why? Why? Why not bring someone with, bring someone with you? Why not turn on all the lights? Why keep it? Creepy? Why are you
3: not exactly? That's my first question. Why are you not switching on the lights? <laughs> why mm-hmm. do you want to go with a candle or a <laughs> tiny torch?
1: <laughs> well, you notice the the modern trope in horror movies where, no matter what, their cell phone just suddenly stops working.
0: Oh yes. 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 Well, I guess you have to, you have to make it relevant, you know, like you have yeah, to we gotta take
1: the cell phone out of the equation. Cause it like fixes most of the problems you run into, like, yeah, and, uh, like, Oh, a creepy thing I'm seeing in there. I'm going to look it up real quick. Nope. That's a bird and you're done. <laughs>
0: true. True. That is very true. Or even like are using like pipes the, the flashlight. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yep. Or are those pipes creaking in the house or is there really someone in the attic? <laughs> <sighs> yeah, I mean, we have those people also, right? You I mean they'll go where they are not supposed to, and they'll go alone. Like they you'll have ten people in the house, but no, you choose to be the brave one for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> Who does that? Nobody's that
0: brave. No, no one does it. <laughs> I don't even do that. No, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> if anything, I send my cats. The cat that I showed you. Yeah, I'll be like, go, <laughs> go see what it is. Like you first. <laughs>
3: Hey, they—they. They, I think that's what it. I mean, that's the. Uh, what do you say? That's the myth, or I don't know. It's the truth. Cats can detect ghosts or spirits nearby.
1: I think my cat's just dumb and just likes to stare at the wall.
0: <laughs> 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 oh, yeah. I'm
3: sorry, Alex. You wanted to say something because he went
0: like. <gasps> I'll I'll say it afterwards. Well, let just remember this. No, like, it, not aliens. Cats do it,
3: not it aliens.
0: It's nothing to do with aliens. I promise. I promise. I don't believe it's, you, dude. I really, I've been hurt before. <laughs> it has yeah, nothing to Lord do with promises. aliens.
2: <laughs> it's
0: just just remind me at the end at the end of when when you're done with uh, telling us about your book. Just remind me about the cats. Uh, in Haunted Things. Right. I, I'll, I'll remember. Sure. Okay.
3: So yeah, I mean there are, there are times when you really want to yell or throw your book in frustration because how they act stupid. So it's all fun though. Um, it's basically how Amy is with her narrative and, and that's great because if, you, if she's evoking these feelings in a reader in just a book I think that's, that's an excellent <laughs> job done. So Uh, we have Mac who leads this research team and he has this notebook with him um, which is supposedly his fiance's Uh, uh, she's also done her PhD in god knows what because she's doctor Um, and she also came with her research team earlier to uh, see what's haunted in this haunted house and apparently the entire team died and only uh, Josephine that's her name She survived, but she refuses to talk to anyone, and she's in the hospital. And Mac is very curious to know what happened to Josephine. So what he does is he takes the exact number of people along with him um, with the exact qualifications. So one of them was a student, and Paula is a student in Mac's team. So, um, yes.
1: Was she in a medical hospital or a mental hospital? I don't know if that matters. I'm just curious. You said hospital?
3: I I think she was in a mental asylum. Okay, got it. So um, going back to when Elizabeth was alive, uh, that's back in the 1800s, I guess, because there are uh, decisions that are taken by her uncle, which I don't think any modern woman would stand for. So, there are certain heartbreaking moments in the story where we find that Elizabeth lived with her uncle and his kid. And the uncle was very cruel. Like, he used to give out punishments like, I don't know, Santa giving gifts. Like, he used to lash uh, her with a belt. And um, he used to um, punch her. And he he kind of uh, meted out... Same kind of punishments to his own kid as well, like to his own son. If the son ever came to protect Elizabeth, and um, Elizabeth was um, elder to his son, I mean, his son was like ten or twelve. Um, um, he, uh, she, she did not even have the freedom to go out alone. Um, and there was this guy that she used to like, and the character's name is Daniel, and. So the uncle is very rich and Daniel comes from a working class and he asks Elizabeth to kind of run away with him, you know, because he knows how the uncle treats uh, Elizabeth. But um, the son, uh, or Elizabeth's cousin, has become kind of manipulative staying with his father. So what he does is he makes these puppy eyes and sad faces and he cries to elizabeth uh, saying that would you leave me and go um, would you leave me with this man you know how he treats us and elizabeth tells daniel that i cannot come with you
0: why so does, daniel why, <laughs> why doesn't she just take the young kid with her like boom problem solved
3: yeah but uh, Daniel does not have money. He's going to America to kind of uh, work and you know get his fortunes. Um, they are in London, so she she just decides not to go with him. And Daniel promises that once he earns enough money, he'll be back for her and marry her.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: What he doesn't know.
0: <laughs>
3: uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> No, Daniel's a good guy.
1: <laughs> it sounds like it so far, but okay.
3: <laughs> yeah. So uh, what he didn't know is um, Elizabeth's uncle, he used to keep her at home and he kind of used her to entertain his guests and I'll use the word entertain in quotes. Um, his guests, all of who kind of held high positions, all important dignitaries and all that. And uh, there was another uh, portion in the book that kind of, you know, really got to me was when Daniel comes back to England, you know, after seeking his fortunes in America. Uh, He goes to Elizabeth's home where he's not allowed to meet her, of course, by the asshole of an uncle. And later at night... He goes to, you know, meet her secretly and while he's walking on the grounds, he sees a grave. And he he starts to dig it like a little and then he hears a scratching noise from the grave. And he digs it even further. So basically, sorry, why he started digging it is because he saw the grave and there was a pipe poking out of, I mean, from below the ground and he starts okay. digging it and then he hears the scratching sound and he sees a coffin and he opens it and he finds elizabeth inside still alive and her like her ha- hair has fallen off like it's half gone she's almost naked her clothes are in tatters the meat on her bones were chewed off that Daniel re- realizes that she ate herself to keep herself alive.
2: What? I can heck? see that look of
0: horror <sighs> what on What books are spin? you reading? <laughs> <laughs> this is insane. <laughs> <laughs> what? No. Uh, I can't imagine. Like I'm, I'm just like I'm, I'm thinking about that. Like if if you got buried alive. And no one's coming for ya. Yeah. you. Okay, so, okay, question for both of you. Put yourself in that situation. Do you try to dig your way out? Or do you start eating yourself like what she did? You just lay down and die, dude. It's, it's over.
2: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you just get you just, yourself. I'll you try
1: to. <laughs> <off>? <laughs> yeah, I, like I'll immediately, man.
2: Was,
3: <laughs> I'll probably suffocation. Uh, I don't even have to try a lot. <laughs>
1: and <laughs> yeah, you just get your heart rate up a bit you're gonna eat up all the air it's over real quick
0: just go to sleep and have a nice nap man it's fine no <laughs> no like I, I what i would do is i would take the pipe that was sticking out and again i'd get it down and then i'd start poking you know like start jabbing my way up that's what i would do or i'd take <laughs> off my shoe well, could you use a shoe did she have a shoe was she wearing shoes <laughs> Did she have a shoe <laughs> 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 or did she have something hard like a like a uh, like a belt, like a belt buckle or maybe maybe one of the nails, not like her fingernails, but like the nails in the this woman say? was eating
1: herself. Don't you think she tried <laughs> probably a few other things first?
0: I don't know. I don't know. People are but weird. You you just jumped right to eating. Like, all right, both, of, both of you just were like, nah, I just give up. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, if I had salt, then maybe I'd consider eating myself, but I don't oh know. My some sort of seasoning. <laughs> <laughs> oh my
0: gosh. <laughs> oh my <well>. gosh.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: well.
3: Welcome to Axe. Today we'll tell you how to survive <laughs> if you're buried alive. <laughs>
0: Don't laugh. <laughs> Don't laugh. At least I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying to get out of the grave. <laughs> um. Okay, so he finds her. Yeah,
2: she, she didn't have a
0: couple of nibbles from her arm or her leg or, <laughs> or something. <laughs> oh just a taste you know just a, just a taste just a
1: taste
3: Right. the saddest part so what he also sees okay. are I mean there are some bones that she's held and she has you know, uh, pierced into
2: her stomach
3: what?
1: When he he notices Wait, yeah, whole, that pierced a hole in her stomach with a bone.
0: That's what happened. Yeah, yeah. Go, yes, go, go, yes. Go. Right, okay. So she has bones. Okay, hold on one Are they second. Her bones? Was she eating? rats she has first? She. I. I think. I think she. Uh, okay. No, you're still here. Okay. So she has bones. Okay. Yes. <laughs> she has. She, she has bones. I can't just say yes. stuff
2: like that. Right? Come on.
0: <laughs> okay. Okay, but this There's your tool to you can start chipping away. You had a bone. Was it a femur? That has
3: sentimental value for her. <laughs> can I complete <laughs>
0: No. No. We will stay on this (laughs) till till midnight. I don't care. We will figure this out.
1: (laughs) Alex has gone off the
0: rails.
1: (laughs) Like, okay. Alex just
3: wants to know why did she
0: (laughs) pull herself outside the coffin? Yeah, that's what I mean, and I think I, I think I already know what you're gonna say, and I think maybe the audience knows too. But go, all right. Well, finish. whose Whose bones were they? She was holding oh, bones.
3: Daniel. Who's Daniel? Notices that those bones are of a newborn baby.
0: Okay, didn't With- know that. All right, that kind of threw- <laughs> wasn't the right bones. All right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, anyway, I, sh-
3: I shouldn't be laughing at such a sad scene, Alex. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, you're not going to be able to read this book ever again. <laughs> I, I want to read this re- book, but
1: I'm just going to picture your face the entire time while I'm <laughs> reading it. My,
0: my face?
1: Just the look. I yes. thought your eyes were going to pop out of your head there for a minute, bud.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, All right. All okay, right. And- all right.
3: And uh, those bones had teeth marks on them. uh, On the newborn baby's bones. So Elizabeth tells him that as soon as her baby was born, her uncle tossed it to wild dogs. A newborn Uh. baby. And then she says that she's just trying to put her baby back into the womb because that's where he'll be safe.
0: Okay, I'm done oh my gosh this is insane <laughs> you Super serious sad.
3: yeah that's the book i didn't write it i'm sorry
0: <laughs> uh, I, honestly i thought when you said that there was teeth marks on it i'm not gonna lie i <laughs> thought you were gonna say that she was eating the baby eating the baby yeah i thought yes. the same thing. Y- yeah I, and i think everyone listening was probably gonna think but no i thought the bones were of the uncle's kid no uh, so no, it was
3: her kid man. newborn baby
0: okay okay in, all right yep, yep. In, going. in the
3: present <laughs> yeah in, in the present <laughs> mac is also an asshole no surprises there because he's led his team to certain death and he knows it it's just that his team doesn't know it and they see certain ghostly sightings. They see Elizabeth, um, all black-eyed, standing and you know standing near the windows, or just walking across the hall. And it's a huge manor, right? So she can go wherever she wants. Um, <laughs> um, and they they've got enough proof, but Max still refuses to you know kind of let go. They also see certain messages on the wall, which says "Leave the house." <clears throat> but um, why would they? Even when it, the writing is on the wall, literally. Is so it blood? no, not it's what? not blood. <laughs> That's
1: a missed opportunity. If you're ghost writing something on the wall, it should at least be blood. Otherwise, I just won't
3: sure right. I'm saying
1: <laughs> take your vague threats,
3: <laughs> which is why Mac and his team did not leave. So, uh, well, eventually, uh, so there are uh, Mac, and then Paula, and then there's a Toby, I guess, and there's one Helen. So Toby, I think, has his eyes gouged out by Elizabeth. Yeah. Everyday
2: like, life.
1: Does he live? <laughs> or,
0: like, he, that kills him, right? Like, tell me that kills he him. Does. Yes. Yes. Okay, how, how does getting your eyes gouged out... Make you
3: uh, dead. No, that that does not make him dead. Elizabeth comes and just twists his head after oh, gouging his eyes out.
0: That'll <laughs> make it <you> dead. <laughs> That'll make it <you> dead.
3: <laughs> yes. Okay. Then, um, well, he's dead. Next, uh, next up is Helen. She goes missing, and Paula is like, "Where the hell is Helen in this entire house?" They she searches literally every room, and she's not. Uh, Helen is nowhere to be found. So Paula is obviously concerned, and she tells Mac like. Where's Helen? And he's like, oh, she must have gone out, you know, she must have gone to the village to fetch something. And, well, they wait a day, and the entire night, and Helen does not turn up. So, obviously, Paula is very concerned, and Mac is acting like, he's acting fishy. (laughs) How can you not be concerned about the person who's been part of your team? And they've just gone, without their equipments. Like, I wouldn't leave my equipment, I have just a mic and... (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs>
2: so,
3: <clears throat> uh, well, they uh, have more sightings of Elizabeth where uh, Mac forces Paula to go and speak to Elizabeth Why can't he do it? <laughs> and, and my second, point, uh, second question that rose in my mind is why doesn't Paula have a spine to just tell him you talk to her What should
0: I? <laughs> But see, the same thing. Like, if there was an intruder in the house, I'd make my wife go. Like, that's just common sense. You just, <laughs> you, you, yeah, I, you just, you, the next person, you, you go check it out. So it goes cat, then the wife, wife, and then me. Yes. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> but you're forgetting the fact that Mac and Paula were basically the research team were intruders in Elizabeth's house. True. She is the ghost living there.
0: That is true. That is true. And Mac. I want to see her name on that lease, then,
1: man. Come on.
3: (laughs) (laughs) She's a Maringum. That's enough.
1: (laughs) Such a thing as property rights, man. I don't have time for that shit.
3: So yeah, she goes and tries to talk him, talk to uh, Elizabeth, and obviously Elizabeth doesn't respond. Like, what is it, a chat show? No. So, um, well, she just turns around and looks at her, but then what Paula feels is she's looking through her. Like, you know, she doesn't. Elizabeth probably doesn't even realize Paula is there, which is fake. Because how did she kill Toby then? How did she gouge out his eyes and twist his neck?
1: That's what um, I mean. Yeah. Yeah. It also brings up a good point with ghosts that I always mm-hmm. wonder: like, at what point can they physically touch you? Like, because if they're ghosts and apparitions, can't they not do that?
3: I mean, I don't know. I is think- there a number of years that they have to spend on the spiritual plane before? You know, they get this promotion of—that's uh, the only word I could come up with. They <laughs> Why, does the spi-
1: Why does the spiritual plane have to adhere to our planet revolving around our sun?
0: You know what I'll do. Okay. So based <laughs> on <laughs> no, no, no. Like, okay. So when, when are we? When is this episode gonna gonna air? Probably well, next week. Next week. So, okay. So in that time frame, I will try to get a uh, a spiritual person who deals with that and then we can bring them onto the show it may not be the next week after that but i will try to get someone who knows something about the spiritual realm i am okay with, with
3: it, but i don't want anyone who does that board thing what is it called the ouija oh, the boards
1: Wii- the ouija boards yes yeah. Boards. Yeah, that's yeah. the one thing my fiance will not touch or let us even watch
0: movies about because she said just to be careful just in case oh yeah i mean it it is re- like it is real. I, like, I, I think it's real. Like I think if I, you
3: I, I really don't want to test it out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right.
1: Dude, watch okay. the movie Veronica. It's a Spanish movie and yes, it's about I did. Uh, it's
0: fucking terrifying and awesome. Yep. It is. I've, I've it seen I've seen it too. Yeah. Yep. Okay, bro. Sorry. We're getting off topic again. Yeah,
3: no, that's all right. So going back in time. Um Daniel saves Elizabeth, I mean, he kind of picks her up and gets her back to uh, whatever motel or hotel not really hotel, but motel where he was staying Yeah,
0: because I'm sure they were around
3: 1800s, let's see (laughs) let's google Holiday (laughs) so uh, he kind of takes care of her, tends to her, you know and he tries to speak to her just to understand if she even realizes that He's present and she's alive, you know. But she doesn't really answer him a lot. He's She's just, you know, kind of holding on to the bones of her baby. <clears throat> he doesn't know who the father is because obviously the, a lot of years have passed since Daniel has left London. Um. So what he does is, he, I mean, obviously he's very angry the way uh, Elizabeth's uncle has treated her. So what he does is he goes to take revenge. So he's ordered a, ordered a horse and a saddle and everything. So he goes out to check whether everything's set. So he goes back inside to check on Elizabeth and he finds that she's not there anymore. And he that the, realizes that in her state of madness, she must have just returned home. And he follows, like he follows her and he finds that the house, I mean the door of the manor is open. And when he steps inside, he sees that the main butler or the house servant uh, is killed and is lying on a <clears throat> in a pool of blood. And he, he's scared and, he, and then he rushes inside the house and comes out on the opposite end and he finds a freshly dug grave. And Elizabeth's uncle is holding her, um, I think, with a knife to her throat. and. Elizabeth just tells Daniel that, you know, it's okay. I will be back. And the uncle is like, you know, laughing at her, like laughing at her and Daniel, like, look at you guys. You, ca- you can't do anything. And he, uh, I think he twists Elizabeth's throat and he kills her like that. I mean, her neck, not throat, her neck. And he kills her like that. So Elizabeth is dead like this. Uh, Daniel is shot at Um, by the uncle yeah he doesn't have a knife he has a gun so he shoots Daniel and he twists her neck and uh, Elizabeth's cousin he sees everything and he yells at his father like what have you done you've killed Elizabeth and the father is like you shut up you've been involved in you know uh, allowing Elizabeth to kind of be bound and you know they used to drug her every night and she used to think there are ghosts in her room when in fact uh, it, was, it was the uncle's guests um, with, uh, with some kind of uh, mask on their faces and, you know, to whatever. Um, the, then through the door comes a priest and the priest is like, also, also sees all this and then he yells at uh, the uncle that what have you done, you've killed Elizabeth. And the uncle says, You've enjoyed Elizabeth's bed too.
2: Ooh.
3: And you should know that the baby born to her was your son. Was
0: the was the priest a main character in the book too? Like was No, he was he was
3: just one of the no. Okay. And having said that, so the priest is like, no, so this is my last chance to, you know, kind of make peace with God. So I will go to the authorities and just let, him, let them know about this. Like, as if a man with a gun is going to allow you to just walk away calmly to authorities. So obviously, he's shot dead as well. Um, in the meanwhile, uh, the uncle just yells at his son, like, to go into his room and all that. And he goes up to give him, like, the... Yeah. A good whack, or I don't know what. Um, and Daniel is like <laughs> uh, on the verge of dying, right? He's being shot at, or he's on the verge of dying, and he sees this spirit, or his, he sees this figure entering the house, and he thinks that he's delusional because he's dying because he can see Elizabeth. And Elizabeth's quick, man, like she died, and her spirit just rose <laughs> to take mm-hmm. revenge.) <laughs>
0: That's how it works.
3: Um, (laughs) But that was quick. Like, she must be, like, full of hatred. Anyway, so, um... uh, The uncle is hitting the son and he's trying to, like, you know, kind of twist his arm and break his bones and things like that. And the son uh, somehow runs away from his room. And... Uncle follows. And then he comes face-to-face with Elizabeth's ghost. And... uh, He gets scared, obviously. And he's praying to Lord for mercy. And then she just says, you look at me. You look at me. And then the moment he looks up at her, she gouges his eyes and tears him. Like literally ripping his skin, his clothes. um, Like you could see the white of his skull. And that's how she kills her uncle. And then, yes, Alex, I know. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: i mean like rightfully so but holy cow okay yeah all right
3: and i think he totally deserved that debt that debt debt. (laughs) um (laughs) then uh, she also goes to kill her cousin and daniel just screams at him like you run and don't look back and he manages to escape And Elizabeth turns to Daniel and says, if you survive, burn this house down so that I can go and kill every Marangam that exists in this world. I will not let his bloodline survive. And obviously, Daniel does not have the strength to do it, nor does he want to do it. And Daniel dies, unfortunately. Uh, Between the research team and Elizabeth's story, so after Elizabeth's story and before the research team, Um, The house is obviously empty, like nobody wants to step inside a haunted house, the stories must have passed on generation to generation. The house is now up for rent and there is a family that has come in, uh, father, mother and daughter. The daughter can hear uh, or hear and see things like happening around her, like she can see a lady standing near the window when she's in the garden and all that. She tells her parents... And typically, the parents do not believe the child. I don't know why. What? What is this trope as well? I mean, I've seen it in movies. I know we are short on time, but I have so many questions. Like, why is this?
0: <laughs> I mean, I th- I think it's that like just kids in general have like a very vivid
3: um, imagination.
0: Yeah, so it could there, be something like that. There's a subreddit
1: called Kids Are Fucking Stupid.
3: <laughs> yes, that's a subreddit. Oh <laughs> that's a subreddit I follow (laughs) (laughs) anyway so uh, uh, the uncle's son or Elizabeth's cousin has obviously grown older and he comes to visit these people in the house and the moment he enters there's a lot of activity in the house because Elizabeth knows it's him and then he looks up when they are at the dining room and then he just walks up to wherever, whatever room that she was in and well, he's killed by Elizabeth. <laughs> to cut a long story short, without any drama. <laughs> and then obviously this family sees what has happened and the mother and father realize that, oh my God, we were wrong. Our daughter was right. <laughs> well, they pack up their bags and go and since then uh, nobody is allowed to enter the house and it has never been put on rent and neither does the Maringham family allow anyone else to enter till this research team uh, goes to check. Anyway, um, lastly, uh, Paula is, you know, kind of, uh, Helen is found inside one of the rooms. And it is uh, in the present day, Helen is found in one of the rooms and Paula is like, where were you? And she only says, help me. And Mac comes from behind and he's like, "Uh, let's call for an ambulance. Paula eventually realizes that it is Mac who kind of um, attacked Helen and hid her and then brought her back in the room. Um, And when she's coming down the stairs, he pushes her down the stairs because that's how the student in... Um, Josephine's team also kind of died and he breaks her leg with a hammer because her leg didn't break during the fall. (laughs) This guy.
1: This book. Not this guy. This book. (laughs) Jeez. Well. I want to write a letter to the author and just it's going to say three (laughs) words. Are you okay? (laughs) 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 Right?
3: Uh, Well, um, Well Paula somehow manages to drag herself out and there is this caretaker of the house who uh, comes because of all the yelling that Paula does and he's like the last time I heard yelling here I did not come but I regret that now so I did not want to make the same mistake and hence I've come Uh, I just spoke Hindi I'm sorry.
0: Uh-huh. Sweet! <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> uh-huh.
3: And he's he's smart enough. The smartest guy in this book. I really love him. He's got cans of gasoline. He, um, he just, you know, goes inside and he uh, pours it and he burns the house down. He takes Paula to the hospital. She survives. So... House is burnt, Paula survives, and you think happily ever after, right? No.
0: No. <laughs> no. Why? No. No. I've, this, based on what you've said, no way. <laughs> so Paula goes to meet
3: Josephine at the hospital or the asylum, and she tells her that, in fact, Elizabeth was killing everyone inside. However, there was another ghost that was trying to prevent Elizabeth from killing those people, and that ghost was Daniel. However, his ghostly presence was weak, and he couldn't kind of stop Elizabeth.
1: Sounds like he's a little the bitch. Book. I don't like, come on.
3: <laughs> well, I don't really blame her. Her newborn baby was just tossed to the wild dogs, and she was raped.
1: Oh, I'm not discrediting her pain. I'm just talking about him. If he's trying to stop her, he... May have as well just not been there.
3: Oh yeah. Yeah. He's a weak
0: bitch. (laughs) Don't Don't do that. Oh no. His his yeah, his
3: his technology was as latent as mine today. (laughs) The book ends with Elizabeth being happy about the fact. Remember she told Daniel to burn the house because she was bound to the house? so when the caretaker burnt the house down she was freed Elizabeth is in the asylum in Josephine's body and she's happy about the fact that now she's free and since Josephine's body is weak the ending is that she jumps into Paula's body to possess her to kill the rest of the Maringham clan
0: fuck jeez alright what's Um, the name of this book again uh, it's called
3: The Haunting of Black Witch Grange or Black White Grange. I'm not sure how to pronounce that. but Probably Black yeah, yeah. If
1: it's in, in London, yeah. Yeah.
3: Okay. So what, what I like about Amy's books is that it's not always happy ending. Sometimes it's frustrating. Sometimes there is a sense of justice. Sometimes, you know, it's just, I don't know. <laughs> but you do, get, <laughs> you do get happy ending sometimes because I think we as humans, crave and want happy endings. Unless it's a cliffhanger, then I want the other book to be a happy ending.
0: (laughs) That was that was great, Ro. That like I think even if like even to our listeners, I mean if you please tell us what you think about uh Ro's amazing book that she uh she just told us about. That was insane. Oh my gosh.
3: (laughs) Oh one more good thing about this author, Amy Cross is that her books are free on Amazon.
0: Oh, okay, so, okay.
3: Nice. <laughs> Go
2: ahead.
0: I was
3: Read
0: Yeah, it. I was gonna be I thought you were gonna be like, oh yeah, the uh, Elizabeth actually <laughs> uh came back <laughs> and ripped off the heads of the dogs too.
3: Hey, <laughs> she's not leaving <laughs> the hey, dogs
0: out of it. Yes,
3: only Lewis and Clark can eat puppies, okay?
0: <laughs> oh my gosh, stop <laughs> oh.
3: even ghosts have mercy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> oh okay well that was a that was a very if you stuck it through that entire episode as an audience member <laughs> thank you and we hope you liked what you just heard uh, we came at you with a lot of different um, topics we had the aliens we had the technology with humans building it and not learning from their consequences and then you have uh, Rose with just don't <laughs> fuck with people or they're gonna come back and haunt you or oh, geez. Rip your eyes out <laughs> Yeah, all right. your eyes out. Anything last for uh, Tristan? Anything from you, Row? Anything from you?
1: I'm just gonna be sad the rest of the day, man. <laughs> <laughs> don't
0: be sad. <laughs> I don't know what to say to make have. you happy.
3: <laughs> I should have gone first and let Alex go last.
1: In no, that would have set a tone. That would have set a tone, man. That would have been hard <laughs> to come back from.
0: You think so? Yeah. yeah. I think so,
1: man. I wouldn't yeah. have wanted to talk at all anymore. I'd be like,
2: you know <laughs> yeah. what? My book is
0: dumb. <laughs> I'm just going to curl up in a blanket. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, All right. Well, if you enjoyed what you listened to, hit us up on all your favorite social media pages, such as Twitter instagram tiktok and youtube and we even have a reddit page if you want to post anything crazy and out of this world and where you can find the latest content where we have the most up-to-date information with what's going on in the show and what we can look forward to for future episodes and remember we aren't looking for normal we want stuff that's effing weird